What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only podcast where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I am your humble host today. I'm here to lead you through this journey of all these comic book TV shows. Here with me are two braggadocious boys. Uh, right now, I got gotta go to the first braggadocious braggadocious boy, Ryan. Okay, Cassie, you found me at a real weird time because I don't know if this is pulling the curtain back too hard, but uh, Mike and I just recorded an episode of Movie of the Year, Mm -hmm. uh, our much less famous podcast, and uh, I fucking destroyed him in that competition. You beat me by a few points. And now I'm going to do it again on this show. And I know this show is not ranked or pointed or anything, but I'm going to fucking murder him. This show's not pointed, but your comments are. Your comments, and we know you've been giving points to yourself this whole time. What you the your fuck? Own, your own little tally mark, so uh, we'll get those by the end. Uh, Braggadocious boy number two, Mike, how's it going? I do, I mean, I did great, too. I broke a record in that <laughs> show, and then he broke it even further in the same show. That's fine. Everybody remembers Buzz Aldrin. It, it's important to always note that, like, just because you got second, or last, as the case were, that you should also say that they did great, too, especially when the person who got last is telling themselves they did great, too. That's how you always know it was a successful performance. It wasn't. Nobody had gotten the amount of, this is stupid, I hate it all, I want to brag about something, I'm posting sexy pictures of myself carrying my dog, I'm bragging about that these days. Fuck Carrie, all this. You know, your dog likes walks, not carries. No, I'm going to take my dog out for a carry? The internet loves pictures of me holding my dog. And I, you're nude the whole time? I mean, who could say? <laughs> nude with a little papoose and the dog in a little papoose. Oh, shit. That is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys, uh, I actually I got a memo from the board here, and I think they got confused about what our main event was because they saw that it's um, I'm not okay with this, and they seemed to have taken it as stuff that they're not okay with the show about. Oh, so fuck. I just I just have some notes from the board here, you guys. Never open that window, goddammit. It's important to know that these are these are from the board. So uh, it's mainly focusing on YouTube, which is weird. I don't know why. So but, I'm just gonna kind of But like just to reiterate, these are definitely from the board from and the from board. nobody else and just the board. Yeah, no, I'm just reading I don't know comments. who else it could be from. No. Guys, I would never, ever lie to you. So I'll just kind of like sum them up here. Uh, Ryan, I got, let's see, uh, just stop being so creepy. Mike, uh, be funny, make a joke. Ryan, no one is enjoying the puns. Uh, Okay, hold on, board. Hold on. Is Tyler the board? (laughs) The creepy thing, I thought you were going to say swarthy, which is like creepy but acceptable. But the creepy thing um, Pedro Pascal. we'll talk about. I think that everyone ex- on the planet, except for you two, are enjoying the puns. I don't know if the track record shows that, because uh, Taylor didn't enjoy the puns. And I'm just reading, again, from the board. They've done the research. Is Taylor the board? Is, is Taylor on the board? He's yeah. probably one, he's one of the board members, he, for sure. He actually had to leave the show to fully take on his board position. He's now president of the board. Chairman? Yeah. Ch- one of the two. You president know, of the chair. It was a conflict of interest. That's why he had to, like, he dedicated to one, and now he's here just to take down Ryan, apparently. Well, let's get, uh, we only did one for Mike. Let's get more to Mike. Oh, yeah. Mine was really hurtful, though. (laughs) Mike, no one's enjoying the ska references. I'm so sorry. I just have that written here. So, should I pick them up, pick them up, pick them up, and take them home? Put them down, put them down, put them down. I think you should do more of that. Uh, And you guys, Mike and Ryan, it says, like, you should be appreciating the descriptions that Cassie's. Cassie's writing more and like really laugh at the jokes she's making because um, you seem to be just like letting them fall flat. So okay. hold on, okay. 
I did not know, Cassie, that you had jokes. Yeah. This is the first uh, I'm hearing of it. So you're making the board laugh, and you think that counts as comedy, that this group of old, out-of-touch men... Mm-hmm. And Taylor. Young Taylor. And young Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm worried for Taylor. Just a bunch of old, lecherous men and young life Taylor in the middle of that dark room. I guarantee you that at board meetings, they treat him like uh, allegedly like one of them, but he has to wear nothing but like a leaf over his penis and has to run and like put grapes in their mouth. And they're like, we all did it our first year. No. <laughs> you guys, i just getting a memo right now. The board's also not okay with this conversation. All right, you're not supposed to listen to podcasts live. They're yeah, to- <laughs> unless, unless you're like at Shannon E. McGee's, that fucking South by Southwest podcast should not be live. A lot of people don't know that uh, the studio that we record in, in Burbank, is actually the former Deal or No Deal studio. And instead of the banker being up there, it's just the board watching us as hard as they can. Do you know what I don't like is that they've, lit the room so we're very well lit and there's an almost black hole of light where they so you just see like figures but there you can't make anything out so they're just a, a withered hand slips a memo towards us but you cannot tell their facial features and like i think if you're 80 you should be part of the board not 172 yeah. why are they so old and dusty so cassie on this memo there was no notes for you no, it the was notes. just just the notes were like you're doing great. Keep your head up, kid. Just keep controlling this, and you got it. And that was it. Like I appreciate the board. I I'm a fan of the board. Okay. Um. Just so everybody knows, uh, let me explain this bit real quick. I am creepy as a podcast character and not as a real life person. I've never done anything creepy unless it's like I'm uh, working in a haunted house on Halloween. Sure. Your job is I'll get creep. a little bit creepy. You yeah. Do the creep. What What did the board specify? What kind of creepy he's being? It's just a vibe, I think, is what they're oh. going off. It's a- no, he's just that age. I, I don't think he's creepy. It's just uh. impossible to be how old Ryan is and not give a creep vibe. But I'll- see, it's because when I, I was taught that like, when you're an adult, you make eye contact with the people that you're talking to, and you never, ever break it, even if the conversation's over and they've walked across the room. Is that creepy? Their, yeah, and you just follow that eye contact. You can't blink at any point. Uh, what do you think is more creepy? How few buttons Mike buttons on his dress shirt or how many buttons I dress up on mine? It's the few buttons for sure. Okay. I do appreciate your the how many buttons you have is like whimsical and weird. Like I mean, I will sew extra buttons up yeah, on my is, shirt. Yeah, they that's serial that. killer versus sexual deviant. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know which one's worse for me all the time. As to the board, I'll let you guys know next week and we'll see what else they're not okay with. But coming up for the main event, we're going to dig into Netflix's I am not okay with this and then go into the rest of the shows. <laughs> we are back for the main event where we're talking about I'm not okay with this. Fresh off the second season of End of the Fucking World, Jonathan Eintwistle returns with I'm Not Okay With This, a story about Sid, Sophia Lillis from It, a teenager living poor in rural Pennsylvania, who is grieving her father's recent suicide. Things get wonky when her emotions start to manifest in devastating bursts of psychic power that she can't control. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Can the rest of the show... Can the show rest on the shoulders of Sophia Lillis, or do the other actors have to rise to the challenge? I I sort of like want to throw back against that question because I do think that there's another one. I think that she is great. Sophia Lillis mm-hmm. is great, and I've seen her in It, and she was in, uh, what's the one, the Amy Adams HBO show? Oh, was she in Sharp Objects? Sharp Objects. She played uh, L- Lil Amy Adams. Lil um, Amy. But I think her It buddy, who maybe it's because they were in It together. He was it, also in It. Uh, rises to the challenge. Her, I ducky? Think that- her ducky is so good. Her Ducky, although this, I think this person's a little bit more um, heteronormative forward than Ducky. Du- it was always a little confusing if Ducky was in love with Molly Ringwald in the movie 
that we're talking about, which is not 16, 16 candles. candles. It's not 16 candles. Pretty it's pink. pretty pink. Um, Breakfast Club. What, was he like? Was he gay and in love with the idea of Molly Ringwald, or was he straight and in love with actual Molly Ringwald? And this thing, we like the kid from it. He was like that Jewish nebbish kid. He's straight up in love with. Is Sophie. yeah, in love with her. But I think it's flipped. I think it's is she straight or not? Because she seems pretty in love with her best friend, who I think is also doing a pretty good job. That's the vibe I got for sure. I was like, oh man, because it was heartbreaking when she was like losing, starting to like her friend was like, oh I'm gonna go do this. You could mm-hmm. see like it felt like it was a crush moment. And it could be that she has never had friends and in this new town after her dad killed her himself she definitely doesn't have friends except for this so you're losing the friend or is there love and i think when you're this age and everything is complicated god damn it it's all of it complicated yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's all the single worst thing that's ever happened to me and it's all infatuation and love and i think the show uh makes a point of never saying like just so you know i i only admire this female best friend because mm-hmm. she's cool and it's not sexual they never do that, and they never say, like, I am definitely in sexual love with her. They want to walk all of those lines because that's what being a teenager is, you know? What what I love about Dina, the, the best friend uh, who, who might be a romantic uh, object, is she has a big dash of Katie from Wet Hot American Summer in her. And not enough right. characters have that where they're like, yeah, the person I like is dumb, but they're hot and we're in high school. So why the fuck not do that right now? Also, to tell Sid, um, and I just, I just want to have sex specifically with him yeah. and not with you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like uh, Dina strikes me as the kind of character who is like most teenagers. This is good for right now. This is good for this right this minute, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to be into this boy, and then I'm going to be into a goth kid, and then I'm going to be into a girl, and like you cannot tie me down. Whereas Sid seems to me like the kind of person who is like, oh no, once I put my anchor down, once I like have whatever feelings I have for you, those are hard. I yeah. feel my feelings hard. Yeah, 100%. So hard people bleed out of their noses around me. That's how hard I feel my feelings. <laughs> I will murder anybody who comes between us. But do you guys see this actress, Sophia Lilly, as better than almost all of the other actors that we get on TV? Oh, she's definitely... She was incredibly strong. I, like, believed every single every single relationship she had. Like, it sold so well because I, she is a very strong actor. And I feel like compared to you guys have been doing this longer than me, but like compared to the rest of the shows, I feel like she's one of the stronger actors. For yeah, sure. that's the thing is that if you compare her to like CW shows, yeah. then don't go. Yeah, there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like when so she often it can seem like bad writing if a character is different in every scene, but because she's so good and I think the writing is sharp enough that she treats her little brother very differently than she treats her mom very differently than she's with at school. She just contains multitudes. Versus right. like clunky and who is his character. I feel like I know Sid pretty well after these two episodes. And she is nuanced depending on who is she dealing with. Has she taken over the name Sid over the villain from Toy Story 1? Is she now the new go-to Sid? She seems like a kind of kid who would also break toys apart and rebuild them. So I think <laughs> they're pretty similar. But the multitudes are awesome because I, I meet Sid in the beginning of the first episode. And then so now I'm rooting for her, right? Like mm. it's clearly she's clearly the protagonist of the show. And then she talks to her mom, who's not the best mom, but I'm like, damn, Sid, you're kind of harsh. Like, you're being a bitch. And then later on, so I think I know Sid, and so I expect her to beat the shit out of her little brother. And she's, like, supportive and sweet. And, yeah, she's just – I think so much of it is if you get somebody who is talented at acting, then you can allow them to make decisions, you know? And they can pull so much of the heavy weight, as opposed to some of these CW shows, which are just like – I did it. I, I did the scene. What's the next scene? You know, it's a little yeah. robotic, robotic and like, uh, I'm just going to regurgitate dialogue. Yeah. 
it also seemed like it was staying true to like a very high school vibe because like in high school you're not showing your true self at every point you know like or at any point at, yeah r- rarely so there is like you do have different sides of you with each person you interact and we did see like every single like you said every single side of her did feel true like there wasn't one when she was a bitch to her mom I was like yeah you are playing this angsty teen perfectly right now and then the, when she switched to her brother, it was just like the most precious thing. <laughs> loved, loved it. Given so much advice, she would never take herself. Like, right. <laughs> because she, she's a fuck up to like, she, she is kind of, it does feel that she's defensively shitty towards people because she assumes they will be shitty towards her. And she's so small at school to hide who she really is. Because when you're weird in this kind of town, uh, you try to hide your weird as much as possible, not realizing that hiding your weird is magnifying people don't know your actual weirdness they just know you're fucking weird because you walk with your shoulders up to your ears and she car- she grabs all that characteristics and physicality so well uh, yeah i mean it's different for her like she's in that kind of town for me and mike when we went to high school together in the same year it was a uh, very fancy high school in la and our weirdness had agents flocking towards us saying please come to my podcast network come to my podcast network we were appreciated for that but she's clearly not getting that and she's also in that She's in that perfect, precious middle ground of growing up. Of uh, she thinks adults are so dumb and so like uh, like anti anti culture. Just like they're they're all robots that they don't care. But also, her little brother is so young that he doesn't understand either. She can she can both like deal with both of these two things uh, mm-hmm. from at the same time. You know. I think they're hitting high school stuff so well, not not just the powers. And the powers are pretty minimal, which is, I think, a boon. Uh, it, it's just a really good high school drama, and she, she's dealing with being who she is in this world. But then, much better than like high school shows, I think, when we was kids, uh, like, the peanut butter helps masturbatory thoughts go away. I just think is not something would enter in any show until like the last two years. And that's so fucking funny and weird and specific to her character. And it's crazy too because she says the f word. I, I will not say that word right now. You have never. I have never. But uh, she says the f word a lot, and that's supposed to be like, oh, this this show is like crazy and outrageous, and you know, on the ledge. But really, what it is is not that. All shows say that it's the uh, I want to masturbate, but I will not. And then she goes and gets peanut butter. That's the kind of real shit that we're not getting enough of. You know, that's the kind of stuff we're like. Oh wait, that happens to other people, <laughs> you know? Like we all say "fuck." Sorry, oh, we all man. say the f word. But uh, this whole like feeling guilty about masturbation or feeling like it's a weakness—that's some real shit. Yeah. So what what would you guys say is like working most for you guys with this TV show? I I, I think she she is the anchor, but all of it that there is a forward momentum there, and it's slower than I expected. I kind of heard some bad reviews, and I disagree with all of them. Uh, for these first two episodes, I'm intrigued by the powers, but way more and way more importantly, I'm intrigued by Sid and what she's going through. I kind of want less powers yeah. in a show. We watched the first two episodes for this review, and I like there's some, and it's like it's every time she gets angry, which apparently, if you're a 17 year old girl who does not like your station in life, you get angry a lot, and so she will like uh, have aisles of grocery stores collapse or make assholes' noses bleed. But I kind of want less. I sort of like how this is 85% mm-hmm. uh, teen drama comedy and 15% superhero barely. Yeah. And I want that to stick. I don't know if it will. Yeah, I don't know. It is nice that they are at least starting building, like, they are building these characters very well. And for me, it is, like, it's definitely the relationships that are getting, like, making me stick with this. And really, like, it really surprised me and caught me off guard how much I really enjoy watching each interaction, like, 
except for the one thing that isn't working for me. Who's that one? The guy, the he like came out bare feet. Oh really, Stanley? Stanley, I'm I'm struggling with Stanley. Oh man, he, he came out real strong, and I was like, I think I couldn't tell if we were supposed to hate him from the beginning. It was like, uh, we can hate this guy, and then they're like, no wait, we're supposed to like this guy. I feel maybe I relate to Stanley. I re- relate to Sid a lot and Stanley as well. I think, but I, so Sid tries to hide her weird, and I think Stanley tries to use his weird as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a little not normal in this kind of town, this is, you have those two options. Uh, and so when he feels fake, it's not that the show's doing bad. I feel like the character is trying to build up. He's like, I'm super into VHS. That's the kind of guy I am. We've all met Taylor. We know. <laughs> Okay, once again, he is upstairs in the boardroom <laughs> looking down on you, and you have an ejection seat button on your podcast chair. Uh, no, I like from Stanley, what I got is that all teenagers are either trying to go under the radar or way, way over the radar. Mm-hmm. That's how high school works. Mm-hmm. And Stanley is neither of those things. I thought that Stanley was perfectly Stanley, and I'm not sure if Sid is into him sexually like i want to fuck that body but i think that she's super into the fact that like uh i'm trying to hide all of these things about me and i'm trying to like bring forth all of these things that may not be about me but stanley doesn't care about any of that and that's what i'm turned on by is the confidence more than the you know like the raw sexuality he embraces his barefoot high-waisted khakis with a t-shirt tucked in like he is he can't hide how stanley he is everywhere he goes because then he's also the drug dealer, but he deals for, like, what was it, five people? Five people, yeah. <laughs> Which is, it's so crazy because he's not dealing drugs to be cool, no. and he proves that by only having five customers. He's just like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I watch VHS tapes, I, uh, I have a, a record player, I deal drugs to five people, and it's just, this is what Stanley is. Stanley. And, go like, I think that Sid doesn't want to be Stanley, but the reason that she's so comfortable around Stanley is because she does want to be Dina and doesn't want to admit it. You know, like there might be a sexual attraction, but really it's just, why wasn't I just born like Dina? If I was born like that, then life would be easy, but I wasn't. Stanley was born like me and is super cool with it. Why can't I be either of these two people? And and what, what, what's so cool ab- about her relationship with Dina and Stanley is because uh, Dina's boyfriend is confident. There are also other confident people in the show, but they are bunk and bullshit. Dina and Stanley are confident in actually who they are. And that's so attractive to be around. But I mean, like, we haven't seen this yet. But let's like, I know we will. Let's like, like, let's uh, separate Dina's boyfriend from Dina and Sydney, uh, Dina and Stanley. Dina's boyfriend is confident in that way that like I have an abusive dad that makes me act like a full on alpha male, and I just have to be a prick because I think that's what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Like he is maybe overwritten as a villain. But also, that is just what bo- how boys are taught to act. Boys you know? in real life are overwritten as villains. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They're all poorly written. Uh, what? So you guys have both, we've all seen End of the Fucking World, right? And so Jonathan Entwistle was writing this while making that last season. What What is Entwistleian? Now that we've seen two of the last seasons of that other show of his and this, well, what do you think you connect to and be like, that's definitely that guy? Well, I think that we have the narration. We have the drilling down inside of people's heads. We have the obscure needle drops. You know, like they uh-huh. love how their soundtracks work. But while watching this, I, start, I, I started thinking that like, this is fine. This is good. I like this show. Uh, End of the fucking world is way better. You know, and that's just like, it sort of forces you to make that decision even if you don't want to. But the thing I noticed, the thing I started thinking about is, is it possible that England doesn't fucking give a shit about children's entertainment 
and they just want to make things that adults watch. And America is obsessed with kids enjoying the TV that they watch, and which means there's a lot more hand-holding of themes. That means that, like, sure, Sid says fuck, but really it's just like, this is a, this is a show about 17-year-olds for 12-year-olds, mm-hmm. whereas End of the Fucking World was a show about 17-year-olds for 32-year-olds. Is that the difference between countries of, like, who their preferred demographic is? Just how dumb we are? Yeah, it's probably. Probably. Or who we cater to, yeah. If it's who's the main money spenders or, or cultural pushers, and in England it's adults, and here it's kids. I just think most countries are like, you're a kid for like six years. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Watch <laughs> our shit or don't. We don't care. Welcome but like, we're going to make good stuff. Welcome to the real world, assholes. Well, you guys, do you get, uh, let's go to moments of the week. Ryan, what's your moment of the week? My moment of the week is probably. Uh, it's uh, Stanley and Sid in the bleachers at the football game mm-hmm. because this show dabbles in hangout show so often. But this was the moment where they were like, even though it just seems like them going back and forth, we learned so much about these two characters in that moment. I want Stanley and Sid. I know we have to have Dina and Dina's boyfriend and her mom. I also really like the mom. My other moment of the week is where uh, the mom is like, hey, can you go do this thing for me? And she's like, well, yeah, maybe I will because, you know, I'll just hitchhike and get fucked by a lot of people. And the mom's like, no way. <laughs> yeah, that was such a good mom. Like, I'm not falling for your bullshit. Anytime you can dur your kids as hard as possible. But no, I, I, I think this show, as we go through, is going to be all Stanley and Sid-based. And the bleachers is where the start of it was. Yeah. My moment of the week falls on that other side of that interaction because every time she was like sassy to her mom, it ended up being like my moment of the week. So, like when she just like came by and was like, "It's hot as balls in this house." Like that is such a teenage thing, and I'm glad it's still part of like the vocabulary just to say hot as balls. <laughs> it's my moment of the week. What about uh, you, Mike? Mine is also her and her mom, and it's a devastating moment. It's uh, she's trying to Ooh. open up to her mom, and she says, "Sometimes it feels like people I love don't love me back." And her mom, who is drunk after a hard day of work and is used to her being a brat, just says, "Maybe you're aiming too high then." Okay, so hold on one second. Cassie, do we have one minute for this? Let's take one minute because we, we can't. She established, uh, Sid established the fact that uh, her mom likes wine. And Sid established the fact that her mom is going through a thing because the whole husband dying, blah, blah, blah. Seems like that's most of our shows now on Netflix is dad died, deal with it. But this was harsh. And you, you have a 17-year-old daughter. You remember being 17 and you fucking straight up say that to her? Was this too far? Was this like, was this extreme? Is this abusive? Oh, I, it certainly is emotionally abusive, but it's also, I don't think, not like Dina's boyfriend who is poorly written, I think this is emotionally abusive in a way I've seen in real life. People say very flip things and don't realize how abusive it is. From other houses that were around you when you grew up, right? I've other been neighbors. around a lot of homes because I was not allowed in my own. Yeah, that part was the heartbreaking moment, and that's when I knew it was still like in the same league as like, uh what is it into the fucking world where it is like that was the tone for me once i knew it can go back to being that dark like you will hit like that point i was like okay yeah cool this is what we're in for fuck the show because it got me to root for the mom first it wasn't like Mm -hmm. oh by the way she's a bitch yeah right away i was like oh i kind of like her and then to drop that hammer fuck beautiful beautiful devastating all of it in one we're gonna bring the show back up with our uh, bullpen where we're gonna dig into the movie draft coming up next Welcome back, everyone. We are now in the bullpen where we do whatever we want. This week, we are doing a movie, a winter movie draft. Ryan, what is this? Well, I have some bad news for you, Cassie. Yeah. Okay, so mostly Taylor is cleared out from the studio, right? Like, you can't even smell his smell? Yeah, he just makes decisions for us. Yeah, just with his old, wicked, 
hand. Um, but you are going to have to take over just for this. And then when we go to summer, you have your own team. But for right now, you're going to take over his team. Um, he has drafted in the Winter Spring movie draft uh, Birds of Prey, Notorious Flop, Bad Boys for Life, Hit, yeah. Doolittle, yeah. Notorious Flop, mm-hmm. Call the Wild, which is actually doing okay, and then Underwater and Gretel and Hansel, which are two movies that did come out and did finish their run, and they both made under $20 million. Okay. Shit. All right, so this is starting off well for me is what I'm getting. You you have a lot of work to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mike, you have had no movies come out. Yeah, that's the way I play. How do you feel right now? Onward, Quiet Place 2, New Mutants, Invisible Man, Bloodshot, and Secret Garden. I feel okay. I feel middling. It did sound very convincing to yourself. Do you want to do <laughs> another take on that one? <laughs> uh, I've just let Ryan every night calls me and tells me how bad these movies are going to do. So I'm not as confident as I was when I picked them. He's out there like doing the work on like Twitter and everything. He's like, nobody go see these movies. Yeah. Boo <laughs> onward. And you know how influential our Twitter feed is. Like, I can get shit done. Um, I've had two movies come out. Fantasy Island, which was a big flop and apparently not a good movie. And Sonic the Hedgehog, motherfuckers, which was a huge movie. Chili dog, chili dog, chili dog. That was my fourth round pick, guys. I gotta say, as far as fourth round picks goes, I think this one is speeding up mountains and going over in circles and flips. God nailed it in one. So good. I also have Waiting For Me, Mulan, No Time to Die, Trolls 2, and Peter Rabbit 2. So I feel like this is over, but we're going to keep talking about Two it. Two of those are going to crush. That was, <laughs> that was a daunting list you just put out there. Cassie, you are. we're going to do the draft. Okay. Because we're still waiting for Mike's movies to come out. There's nothing we can talk about because Mike has had no movies released. Um, so it's your pick next, taking over for Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a couple more months left in the spring-winter movie season. What do you want to add to your team to maybe take this challenge back okay so from what i understand these these are like fifth round fourth round picks so we're just trying to find we're in the sixth round baby oh sixth round we're just trying to find anything that can all bring in any money at this point Uh, yeah one dollar can you get one dollar can i get one dollar for this i'm gonna pick the lovebirds because i'm i'm banking on the fact that like maybe knives out got people excited for some murder mystery vibes and for some original ip like this is not based on anything completely new just its own thing. It's got a murder mystery vibe. It looks it looks good. So I'm I'm going with the Lovebirds. And Mike, I do think Kumail and Issa Rae both have followings now. Yeah, they got to pull for sure. Uh, Mike Cassie, I think takes clearly the number one pick off yeah. the board. Um, do you see this as like what is the ceiling for this movie? I I think the it could go as poorly as Tag, or as high as Date Night. No Game Night. That? No, what's the prom-based one that was really good? Prom-based one. Prom-based one. I don't know. What you should go with is what I said. Oh, uh, Blockers. Blockers. But yeah, I could also see this as what I said, which is Game Night, which was a huge, huge hit. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. good pick. Good, good fucking pick. I think this is a a great pick this far in. There's no way that Taylor would have made that pick because it's a good pick. Uh, Mike, where are you going? I think there, there's a movie I just saw a trailer for before I remembered we did this. Uh, but I think people confusing it and thinking it's Jordan Peele is really going to goose it in a good way. And uh, horror fans could clump onto it. It looks really good. Uh, I think Antebellum is going to clean up. So this is the one that I definitely wanted. Do I do I give too much credit to Janelle Monet? Do I think she's a star? Like, can she carry a fucking weekend? I, I feel like she's... Yeah, I'm, I'm on with you. We might be fools, but I'm with you. <laughs> 
I mean, I, we I are fools. Superstar but. power. We're all fools for her. But I, I think more than anything, more, even more than Janelle Monet is, I've watched so much of the internet think this is Jordan Peele, and it is not at all. Here's what we have with your guys' first two picks, is that if they are good, you guys might take this whole thing down. If they're bad, if people start hearing bad things about this rom-com, like it's sort of a meta rom-com and a meta horror, right? Uh, then I think people are going to say, I could just watch Netflix. I'm not, I'm not going to buy tickets to this shit. I don't know. Um, and they're not kids' movies. That's what I, I sort of like hitched my wagon to kids' movies in this draft. It did well for Sonic, so. All right, so now I have to go, and my picks are gone, so I am going to have to go <laughs> with my boy Archie Andrews. Oh, and, shit. And oh. my boy Jesus Christ. No. <laughs> in the same movie. Guys, Breakthrough. There's a movie called Breakthrough that was nominated for an Oscar, Best Song. And I was like, what the fuck is this movie? It's Oh, it's a Christian movie. Okay, cool. It made $40 million. Oh, really? And it's a movie that we have never heard of. This has Archie Andrews, America's favorite superstar. I'm going with I Still Believe. Ryan, you got us back because that was going to be my pick. I feel like there's going to be a Christian revival. They need something to like gather around right now. Yeah, so they, they need, need a, a hashtag. fuckable Christian. <laughs> That's More than answer. Jesus? It's it's he's singing and looking like he looks, which is very dreamboaty, and he has a dying wife and they're twenty. Christians Here's get what, wet for all of that. <laughs> Here's what I'm baking on. <laughs> Other than wet Christians, is uh one Christians like the uh, if you're a Christian moviegoer, then you just have to go see them all. You know, like if you're a Tyler Perry fan. Here. Yeah, like you gotta go see it. And two there are going to be teenage couples at the theater at like the, the, the mall and like, oh, we should go see a movie because that'll kill two uh, hours that aren't terribly awkward. Although, by the way, this will be more awkward than the, your hangout, the this worst, movie. The worst choice you could make for that. Yeah, because you have your weird raging teenage boner, but now you have to deal with Jesus? Don't do that. <laughs> I'm going to really roll the dice here for my final pick of the season. And I'm going to take a movie that was supposed to come out like six months ago, but people got shot. And so they delayed it. I'm taking the hunt, Fuck. and I wonder if there's enough curiosity that will push this into maybe not a hundred million, but maybe forty. Could I get forty from this? Can I get a forty? Uh, I love their tagline of the most talked about movie nobody has ever seen. Like they're really leaning <laughs> or talked into the about controversy. <laughs> but I mean, like honestly, like nobody, uh, nobody gives a shit about the hunt, right? I'll probably. This is looks like made for Mike. It's uh, is it David Gordon Green? No, not yeah. Gordon Green. Uh, it's somebody like that, though. Uh, Betty from Glow. Betty Gilpin. Uh, I, uh, Ike Barinholt. Like, it really feels like, did you grab random things from Mike's brain and make a movie out of it? <laughs> the whole thing, like, the whole bragging about how, like, this is the movie the government didn't want you to see is good for, like, uh, people will watch it later. But will they be so interested that they'll buy movie tickets? Right. That Nobody part, I don't know. saw that Seth Rogen kills Kim Jong-un movie. Oh, yeah. And then after, like, once it went to streaming, nobody watched it. Like, mm-hmm. every, the whole country said, we don't care. But this is the kind of movie I will leave work to see. Like, I'll <laughs> get a 10 a.m. showing because I know nobody wants to watch it, and I shouldn't even tell anybody I want to watch it. Cassie, I have a memo here from the board yeah. that says to remind Mike that now people that he works with listen to the show, and maybe he shouldn't <laughs> say that anymore. Shh, okay, good. Thank you. All right, so Mike, you have a horror movie, mm-hmm. and uh, like we were talking about, they either make $3 million or $150 million, so that's a gamble. How do you want to wrap up your list? I think people really miss the uh, free-for-all comedy of the Jackass set. And fresh from the writers of Dirty Grandpa, starring Lil Ren Howery 
and Tiffany Haddish and Eric Andre were getting bad trip. It's a bunch okay. of comedians who are on the rise who are going to fuck with people. And this, I think, like a horror movie, could either make fucking zero dollars or all these stony little teens are going to want to watch this but not have to pay attention to plot. And m- more importantly, Eric Andre, who just lives to make people upset and uncomfortable. <laughs> how, how has he not made this kind of movie before? I was a little surprised that this movie didn't get taken before because this is definitely another, like, we'll make... Three million or one hundred fifty million. Mm-hmm. If there's a swell for this movie, it could be big. Also, it starts with the word "bad," which it's in the "Bad Mama" verse, probably. <laughs> bad teacher, uh, bad, bad, bad Citizen Kane, Bad Casablanca. Like this bad is just how bone. movies are. This is the one I feel, Mike. Not to put you on blast, I feel like it's a bad pick. I don't know if people are still into bad this. pick, for instance. A bad pick. I don't know if people are into this vibe anymore. Like, I, Jackass had its time, and I wonder if it this has like died now. But it with, feels with, very with early two thousands. TikTok and Instagram stories. All people are into are people doing dumb shit at each other and not really acting. This is what the kids are into. But dumb, for free, wholesome shit, and for free. He's very wholesome. Right there. No. <laughs> There's that guy, he yells at his farm animals. I guess that's pretty wholesome. I love that's that pretty guy. <laughs> if there's animals in it, you might have a shot. Well, do you think the Bad Trip guys should go see First Cow and then just yell at that motherfucking First Cow? <laughs> yes. Be right, the Cassie. third cow. Cassie, this is the end of the draft. We're only keeping track from now on. No more movies will be picked. We have so many other movies coming out in the winter-spring era. What are you going to end your team with? All right. And I want you guys to remember how you said, like, my first pick was very good and how he felt about me after that. Uh-huh. Because on this one, I'm going to go with my spy. Okay. And I'm solely banking on the fact that Dave Bautista has some pull from, like, his guardians. And, you know, people people, people make bad decisions. They might go see this movie. Here's what's crazy about your picks. Um, Kamel Nagiani mm-hmm. and then Dave Bautista. Do you not remember Stuber... <laughs> That nobody went to see, and now you're doubling down on the Stuber money. Doubling down on it. My Spy feels like a movie that should have come out when I was like four years old. Yeah. Like this is an er- this is a mid '80s movie. This comes out every five years with a different ex wrestler. <laughs> there was Dwayne the Rock Johnson and the Tooth Fairy. John Cena had one. Like they just keep making this movie. Hulk Hogan had a couple. I think he was uh, like Santa with muscles. <laughs> that, uh-huh. that, that's that a classic we all remember. Wasn't this also supposed to come out like two years ago? I remember seeing trailers for this forever. I think you've just been watching trailers from 1988. All the same movie. But one of them has to hit, and I'm hoping it's this one. All right. So Cassie is going to go with Lovebirds and My Spy. I would say that you have a 60% chance of one of them hitting. I'll take it. I'm making this up. Uh, Mike, you have Antebellum and Bat Trip. I would say that you have a 3% chance of both of them hitting, a 100% chance of neither one. And then my I drafted I Still Believe in the Hunt. And I would say, guys, I have a 100% chance of both of them hitting. What? I don't like that this, our stats guy is also in the Very. competition. I don't trust that. Nate Silver doesn't run for president, man. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go <laughs> When we come back, we're going to go to the poll. Cassie, I can't do it. When we come back, when we come back, you've put in a great work here. When we come back, we're going through the poll list, and we're going to review all the other shows we watched this week. Welcome back, everyone. We are now in the pull list where we are going to review all the other shows we watched this week. Starting us off is Legends of Tomorrow. This week on DC's Legends of Tomorrow, with Sarah away from the Wave Rider, the Legends find an encore with Ava's new invention, the Prognosticator, and must now defeat Genghis Khan in John Woo's 1997 Hong Kong. Meanwhile, Ray and Gary hang out with Constantine while he dies from extreme lung cancer. Taste Buds, I ask you this. The reason Sarah has been away last episode in this was to film this episode as her directorial debut. 
Can you see a second career for Katie Lotz as a director, or was the whole Sarah left too big? Are you fucking kidding me right now with this question? I see a whole career as Katie Lotz, president of the planet, the first person to ever become president of the planet, um, much less director of TV, much less um, like maybe nominated for Oscars. Girls can't win director Oscars. That's not because of me. That's just the way it works. But she could definitely get nominated. Uh, not only did she say, hey, I'm going to bail out on acting for two episodes so I could direct this one, but directed the ever mother-loving shit out of it. And not just the woo parodies, which which is like the easier thing to do and I think gets more flash. Like, oh, I can see you're directing there. But we've had a problem with Constantine's plot for a while. And I think... She injected something because this Constantine plot felt way more vibrant than the last few. Well, a lot of the Constantine plot, I think, in this time was that uh, all of the uh, exposition was done in the last episode. So now they could actually do interesting stuff. So Katie Lott sort of walked into that. And But like, even if you think that it was a John Woo copy or a John Woo parody, you still have to direct it. You still have yeah. to know exactly where That's to put... easy. Where to put the fighters and where to put the punches and where to put the camera. And I could not believe how... Much this felt like the most confidently directed action version of Legends that I that has ever happened. Yeah, we're used to it on Arrow, not so much Legends. That gunfight that happened in the restaurant uh, when Genghis Khan was going to meet the Triad, and it was so it was the Triad, Genghis Khan, the Legends, and then there was also a bunch of undercover cops all shooting everywhere. It was fucking awesome. I just, it just goes back to the thing that I always say: where like you, Mike, you like Katie Littles, but I like Katie Lots. That is what I always say. Ryan, what Ryan. did the board say? God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> is this her first time directing anything? It Literally anything. Anything. So like she has never done a different show. And last week we talked about how she wasn't there. And that's probably because of the crossover. But now we realize, like Mike was saying, that it's actually because it's hard to direct a show. And you need more than one week. And so she probably prepped for two weeks for this episode. But it isn't, it's not a talky episode. It's not an episode that just has like... Uh, camera close-up camera close-up coverage you know it's not just like camera a camera b camera c like the action scenes in this are fucking phenomenal you know and And i I do think there doesn't need to be i think that like with this practice then she can go out and create you know like so even if you want to chalk it up to the worst john woo copy she has now done this she has it under her belt and now can go like do her own thing but I, I do feel, and then maybe it's giving her too much credit, but what I don't know what directors do. Nobody ever does. But like, it's not just that Constantine had to do exposition, but it feels like she took the characters who have been skating along, and Gary is always just a joke or scapegoat kind of guy. But Gary, Constantine, and Ray hanging out was pretty emotional. Like, And Constantine acted his balls off in this episode that he has not in a long time. Yeah, I think one of the things is... Okay, let's talk about that for a sec. Because I think one of the things that TV directors do is not ruin the shit of the directors that came before you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, make sure that you know the tone. And she does. She obviously does. Right. Um, but Gary is now on my cut list. Gary... He's the Mona? In this episode, maybe Miss Mona. Uh, he's so screamy and yelly and turned up to 11. And he's turned up to Legends 11, which is like 72 on any other show. Uh, I want Gary gone. I can't do it anymore. But Ray and John talking and the way they went from John being angry or like, and Ray feels like he hasn't had a lot to do in a long time. I get why Brandon Routh is leaving, but he feels like such a quiet MVP of this show. Uh, and what, know, that they they worked for me. What great foils too, because uh, Brandon Routh or I'm sorry, uh, his character needs to learn that like, you know, man, not everything's fucking perfect. And Constantine needs to learn that 
sometimes things are okay. And to have them bounce back and forth off each other and learn, you know, things ab- like about each other and about the way the world works yeah. was awesome. But yeah, what Ray reminded Constantine that he's gone through two failed marriages, one of them being failing because she died. Like, Ray has lived through hard shit because Constantine's like, well, life is hard, so I'm hard. And Ray's like, life is hard, so I'm the softest teddy bear there is. Don't you love doing that, though? Like, when somebody brings up something uh, and you have somebody who has died in your life, just bring it up right then oh, and just always. make them they so scream sad. scream it in their face. <laughs> you guys, that is the moment of my life. But do you guys have moments of the week? Ryan? My moment of the week, I think it has to be, and again, like Micah's right, it's really hard to tell different, like one TV director uh, from another, but um, if I had to pick one, it's Charlie in an action scene doing a whole bunch of shit, and then it like sort of slow-mos, Genghis Khan has like this toothpick in his mouth the entire time, and she fucks his team up, and then takes the toothpick out of his mouth in slow-mo and puts it in her mouth. That's part A. Part, which she was, stabs him in the gut first. She stabs him in the gut with a sword and then grabs the toothpick out of his mouth in one motion. And then part B, because this is Legends, uh, eventually somebody says, like, that was, in, that was in Genghis Khan's mouth, bro. Like, do you want that in your mouth? Uh, I have a tie for two. It's one that there's... Uh, scooters are all over this episode. Nate invents a scooter for some reason, but he uh, when everybody's on a scooter, there's uh, in the sound there's a motorcycle revving, and Nate does two hip thrusts with. And he's in a different part of the world, but it all lines up, and it's perfect sound editing. Uh, and then John, when he's told he has like minutes to live because of lung cancer, in the same breath lights a cigarette, and he's like, "Oh, there's no point in waiting. <laughs> like it's just so." Perfect. But doesn't actually light it because it's a CW and no one can ever smoke. Mike, um, before we get out of here, uh, do you think – we know that Katie Lotz is going to become a big-time director. Um, do you think that but instead of saying like action, she's going to say – like before she gets her whole crew and cast to like do stuff, she's going to say some dumb pun that's going to yes. get them started on their adventure? Every time, and they'll all cheer. So every one of her scenes starts with all her characters cheering, and then it starts. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow is on CW on Tuesdays. Next up is Sabrina. On the sixth episode of season three, there is no zombie witch fight, so this episode is pointless, but we're going to dig into it anyway. The gang is trying to destonify Roz, which Caliban, a.k.a. Clayboy, can help with if Sabrina agrees to marry him so that they can rule hell together. Auntie Hilda has turned it full spider and is now eating Southside serpents and her fiancé. But don't worry, because before she eats the whole family, Auntie, Auntie Zelda is going to put her out old yeller style. You know Hilda's got shooters in Greendale, though, because Wardwell shows up and at the Spellman's house and shoots Zelda. So, in an explosive ending, Taste Friends, I ask you this. Who pulled off the over-the-top shoot-off better? The OC, the SNL skit, Dear Sister, or Sabrina with this ending? All right, Dear Sister's third. Dear Sister, Dear Sister could not exist third? without the wonderful... Yes, absolutely. Like, I think it's fine. I think it's funny. Ha, ha, ha. But it had nothing unless the OC created exactly how a shootout is supposed to go. Okay, I'll give you that. That could be... OC first, but to put it third above this is absurd and insulting, <laughs> and I will not stand for it. Mike, can you do better on this ranking? Uh, probably this, the OC, Dear Sister. Wait, you love the Dear Sister. So Dear Sister's number one, this, the OC. No, no, no. The correct ranking, if I'm listening to my host, is the OC, Dear Sister, Sabrina. That's okay, the re- that. That's the reasonable one, but Mike was playing to me, and I appreciate it more. Thank you, Mike. I su- Mark. love you and support you. Next up is Supergirl. This week on Supergirl. Mr. Mixel Splitlick returns as Woo! Thomas Lennon with a proposition for Kara. He'll It's a Wonderful Life her to see if she wants to change history between she and Lena. 
Taste Buds ask you this. What other alt comedian would you inject into one of our shows to shake it up? Ooh, I do love I do love me some Thomas Lennon. He's fucking great. So the last Mr. Mixel split lick was this very sexy, suave guy, and the internet was mad. The show seemed mad at him. And this time, uh, Tom Lennon, who just is the chaotic, fifth-dimensional imp that we all know and love as Mr. Mixel split lick, uh, he talked about it. He's like, well... I was trying to woo you, and now I'm trying to, like, he was kind of on her side now, and he wasn't a straight villain, just like this character is best in the comics. He was fucking great. Is Tom Lennon, the screenwriter of Herbie Rides Again, a alternative comic? I think, well, when he does comedy, yes. When he writes for the big studio, definitely not. He wrote a whole book about it. But, like, yeah, I think the creator of Reno 911 and co-creator of The State, like, yeah, I think he's in alt-comedy. I would if we if we want to keep this just to the state that like I want to see Michael Showalter in all of the things ever, but you know, man, you know who has my heart. It's I want Michael Ian Black in everything possible. Cassie, who would you put in one of her shows? If we're just playing to like who we love, I automatically got to go to Ben Schwartz because I just okay. I adore like anytime I love throwing him in there, but also Tim Robinson to just throw. Oh my goodness! Oh, yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> just as a bad guy trying to fight the Flash, <laughs> just screaming at him, "Your water's bad." Has this ever <laughs> happened to you? Oh man. Okay, so just so we know that everything that he tried to do would get cut, right? Oh, like yeah, he would, like sure. it would all be cut out. But we would always want that extra footage of him going full Tim Robinson on everything. God damn it, Cassie, give yourself a point. Thank you. I will. Uh, Mike, do you have a moment of the week? Uh, I don't want to just say Tom Lennon this whole episode. They did a lot of what-ifs perfectly throughout the episode, but at a certain point, Tom Lennon trying to speed up, because he keeps putting different VHSs to have Kara watch, like, oh, you made this choice, here's what will happen. At a certain point, he does, like, 1940s newsreels, and they're, like, doing the spinning newspapers, and he's just doing the news on the march for, like, two solid minutes, and it is great. That is That's my moment of the week, and Supergirl is on CW on Sundays. Cassie, I would say that Mike is, like, a five- Let's say. Okay. Um, In regards to what? I don't... Like, hotness. Um, The fact that he can say that Superman villain's name correctly, does that make him go up or down on the hot list? (laughs) It depends on the crowd. I will say for the studio, we'll say up. Because, again, he played to me, so I support him the rest of this episode. But, you guys, our next show is October Faction. On the sixth episode of October Faction, a deadly crew enters the scene, ushering us in a series (laughs) of shocking developments. Meanwhile... Viv shields her strange new friend while Philip tries out the truth. Taste buds, I ask you this. During a flashback to 1975, a bedroom in 1975 features a dark crystal poster that didn't come out until 1982. Have you ever noticed anything like this? And if so, has it ever bothered you? I would say no. When I watch TV shows, I just kind of turn off and accept whatever they feed me. Like, you know, a good American. So, (laughs) no. (laughs) No. I've I've noticed I don't know if it's by years, but like uh I don't know if you guys have heard of the show The OC. Uh one Seth Cohen has trapped uh the band that sang Headstrong and Adam and his package, uh both on his wall. And no person has ever been in both of those bands. So that kind of shit really does bother me. So, so it's not a time thing, it's a music genre thing. It's not just a personality. Uh be true to your character. Because if you're into trapped, you're also into uh, breaking Benjamin. Uh, but and if you're into Adam and his package, then you are into like the Postal Service. Hey, did you guys get the new tickets for the, the Limp Biscuit Matchbox 20 show? Things like <laughs> oh that? God. Oh, Ryan, that's a joke, but you know I would get a ticket to that. <laughs> so, so Cassie's the one. I'm the one. 
Uh, October <laughs> Faction is on every week on Netflix. We're doing it week by week. Next up is Katie Keene. On this week's episode of Katie Keene, Katie is spiraling out of control while trying to get over KO and is getting drunk, insulting designers, and passing out in display windows. The rest of the gang is struggling a bit too, as Jorge is feeling insecure in his new relationship, Pepper is filming a porno called The Rodfather in her studio, and the part to really focus on here, I know it should be that last thing, but you guys, there was a reveal that Alexander and Xander are step-siblings and they used to date in high school. Holy shit. Alright, you guys. So, I guess my question of the week is, um, how fucking wild? Did anybody expect that? Mike, do you remember when you watched Riverdale and then you quit, right? And was, yeah. it, was it more fun to watch Riverdale or was it more fun to listen to like uh, us talk about the show on the show? It's that because I don't have to do any of the boring or bad parts. It's just the highlights of what the fuck is happening. So yeah, Cassie, your your description of Katie Keene is so much better than the show Katie Keene. That's what, I almost like, so this week I almost didn't watch the episode just because of time. And then I realized like I read a brief description and I was like, oh my God. Hell no, yeah. No, I am going to find the damn time to watch this. I am so... <laughs> invested in all these stories like i didn't think i would be there's nothing crazy happening until this episode but like i'm just invested in all these characters i wanted to see all this go down so have, have we like have we figured out where we're landing on the whole like because clueless had paul rudd and alicia silverstone hook up and then pornhub made it seem even more normal <laughs> had them all hook up so where are we on stepbrother stepsister kissing like is it okay Oh, um, as a person who has stepbrothers and stepsisters, I'm going to say no. Because I just kissed them. You're not into it. (laughs) I found out afterwards. I was like, you know what? This maybe isn't right. But none of your stepbrothers or stepsisters have ever been Paul Rudd or Alicia Silverstone. I I would make exemptions if it was one of those two people. Yeah, if we go back to this. They weren't such ugly chuds. (laughs) If we go back to celebrity rules and you get a pass, it's going to be, yeah, those two. I do appreciate my mom and my dad remarrying people who had uh, chuds that were just as ugly as the chuds that they had together. Mm-hmm. So nobody was too hot to like make any dangerous things happen. Uh, that would be my moment of the week, but I also... The thing that I just said? Yeah, that would be my moment of the week. <laughs> but my actual moment of the week is when uh, Katie's boss is just so over the top, and she always has like these weird... like. Devil wears Prada moments. Like she always gets a little like macaroon delivered to her as soon as she sits at her desk. And there's a moment where she is not in screen at all, and she comes running in and just yells, "What in the uh, Hermes hell is this?" Oh man! And, like or the Hermes hell. I'm sorry, I didn't pronounce it correctly. But I found out I just love fashion curses, and when you could throw those in. One of the things that I uh, was thinking about when I watched the pilot for Katie Keene was, did they watch more episodes of Riverdale? Or Devil Wears Prada over and over and over again. It seems like both equally. They are blending it so well. And that's I'm fully on board for this trash TV show. It is on the CW on Thursdays. Next up is The Flash. This week on The Flash. Feeling overwhelmed with all the changes Crisis brought, Barry conducts an experiment that goes awry and throws him into Gorilla Grodd's mind prison. Meanwhile, Iris continues to work with Ava to escape the Mirrorverse. Taste buds, I ask you this. Why do these shows think they need a pop culture loving fanboy on the team of their superhero? Because Cisco has been gone, and then now we got Chester P. Runk, who is like Cisco if Cisco wanted to suck Barry's dick. You know the answer to this, right? Because the writers are these people? It's the writers, yeah. Like, there's no writers that are coming in and saying, like, oh, I write, com- I write for comic books and I know how superpowers work. There's no uh, writers that come in and say, like, oh, I'm a teenager and I know how teenagers talk or, like, uh, mid-20s people talk. It's just old-ass idiot white men who want to throw pop culture references in as much as possible. 
and that they're never clever and they're not pop culture references if it's just a guy talking about what happened in his universe. Like it's somebody if somebody like freaked out and was like, Oh man, that was just like the time that uh this politician debated this politician, all oh, like it's just annoying. Nobody likes you, Chester P. Runk. Hey Mike. Have you ever seen the movie Jackie Brown? I have. Cool. Did it. Pop culture reference. Oh, oh yeah. Awesome. Check that box off, baby. I do like uh, that Chester and then there's two new people trying to help Barry while he, he's really freaking out that the world is not what he's used to. Uh, the, the biggest impetus is that he can't find the graves of his parents, uh, which is left him feeling unstable. Uh, and then there's new voices in his little earphones and Chester tries to help. And he just straight up goes, Chester, you're not on the team. And then a grown man walks out of the room crying because another man said, you're not on our team. If uh, one of you guys said that to me, I would I, walk out. I was just—I was thinking that exact same thing. Like, it's fine. we have headphones for like what the sh- what's happening on the show, but then if I had like a second pair where it was just you two whispering things to me, <laughs> and one of you said that to me, I would fucking die. That would break okay, me. so maybe I'm being too harsh on Chester. You're being too harsh, uh, Mike. We have shows that we like legitimately, and then we have shows that we like because of like their badness is good. Mm-hmm. Like, is Flash being so bad it's good? Like, are they yeah, in control is- of this? It's, it's. I really think I don't want to go back and watch the seasons that I skipped, but I. I think I'm fully on board. I'm not wondering if I'm going to watch it week to week. I love what's going on with everybody, uh, especially because Grodd has apologized and him and Barry melded minds and had to be one person. So it was a giant, super fast gorilla for a while. Also, if it's big and dumb. I'm on board. I know I don't get a moment of the week because uh, I didn't watch it, but if I can, real quick, do my moment of the week. Um. Berlanti tried to go mainstream, like non-superhero, and created a show on CBS, I think, called God Friended Me. Uh-huh. And that, that was Berlanti? I didn't know that. Yeah, the name of this episode is God Friended Me. And uh-huh. come on, that's fucking, that's some classic shit right there. It was funny, and then like the first five minutes, I think, was just burning that show the whole time. The music was different, the shots were different, and it looked cheesy and stupid as hell. Because Berlanti does not ever, at this point, step on the set of The Flash, right? He has no. 32 other shows. So they are, they, that's a middle finger to your grandfather. Yeah. That's what they were doing. It's spray painting on your bedroom wall, I miss my dad, but I hate him, and he's bad. Mike, do you got a moment of the week? Yeah, so, so Barry and Grodd have become one being in Grodd's mind uh, to fight another thing. And when that happens, it's not just like little red lightnings are around Grodd. He gets like a red brand of a lightning bolt across his chest that looks like it's oozing and looks badass and gross. And then he does a gorilla punch lightning jump. And it's awesome. <laughs> that is my superhero move. I'm glad they're taking it. I gave him permission <laughs> for that. You did sell it to them for like $25. So. Yeah, I got you it. You could have gone a little higher for sure. <laughs> uh, the Flash is on CW on Tuesdays. Next up is Riverdale. This week's Riverdale gives us what might be the most focused episode in the history of the show, as we really only get one minor plotline that we don't care about instead of the typical 10 or 11. The vast majority of the show, though, is dedicated to Jughead's murder. Finding the body, finding the murderer, making sure Betty isn't the murderer, and assuming straight up that Betty is the murderer. By the end of the episode, the body is found and taken to the morgue. Jughead is dead, and Betty has no choice but to find Donna, Quill and Skull's resident puppet master, and tell her that she will spend the rest of her life ruining Donna's. Taste buds, I ask you this. Is Jughead fully dead, or do you want to hear my theory about how he totally isn't? It seems very pointed in. I know which way you want us to go. I mean, you fully could, dead, let's move on. You could just move on right now, and I, I'll just hold on to this. This thing that's going to fucking lit up, light up uh, 4chan and Red Book. And oh, it's just really going to put us on Reddit the charts and, if yeah, we let like, you talk about this? Red no. Book, the old magazine? <laughs> yeah. Like the home and garden competitor? Marie Claire... <laughs> Better Homes and Gardens, <laughs> those are the websites that we're shooting for. 
All right, Ryan, what, what is it? So, basically, Jughead gets this job at Quill and Skulls to rewrite or to write new versions of the Hardy Boys, which is like how Quill and Skulls came to be. And he can't do it. He makes his pitches, and they say, that's stupid. And so he's like, okay, cool. And then he dies. And then at the beginning of this episode, uh, Jughead says, in fully awesome Jughead narration, three friends in their underwear, covered in blood, my, icon- my iconic beanie up in smoke, as they are trying to bury his body. Now, Sunset Boulevard did this thing where... Uh, the narrator of the entire movie was dead in the pool the entire time and narrated the movie from death. But I don't think that Riverdale is Sunset Boulevard. What happened here is that Jughead said, oh my God, they don't like my book. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a different book. And that is what we're watching. It is the the, whole time. It's the mystery of Jughead's murder. And he's totally fine. And he's totally alive. And all of this is bullshit. And guys, good job. Keep on not watching Riverdale. That is absolutely what you should be doing. If I'm wrong about this, I will give you each... 25? I need to make up that 25. A pound of C's white buttercreams. Oh, man. Okay, no, how about this? You guys each get a box of C's suckers. You know, like those little suckers that like have the square top? Mm-hmm. Oh. That hurt yeah. your mouth and are terrible. And yeah. you don't want them. Yeah. Like, you, you will only give them away. I will give you guys each a box of C's suckers. But I'm I'm right here. All Guys, right. I'm there's, right. There's high stakes on that one. Is it bold of him to claim that his beanie's iconic? That's the thing, too, is that uh, <laughs> Kevin Keller, in the beginning of the series, claimed that uh, Betty's ponytail was iconic. Oh, yeah. And that's true, and that also somebody else did it. Yeah, you, can't you can't declare your own shit iconic. <laughs> If so, I would be doing it all the time. I'm just like, yeah. Uh, hey, guys, have you noticed Ryan's iconic pubic hairs? Like, that's how, that's for you guys to say, not for me. Yeah, grotesque and iconic aren't synonyms. Yeah, definitely not the same. Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? My moment of the week is uh, they find Jughead's corpse. They bring it to the morgue. Betty and his father, the sheriff, are in there to ID the body. Because even though we clearly know that it's Jughead, you still have to have somebody who says, I don't know if this is just a TV thing, but like, yes, that's that's the dead body that we told you. Um and then right at the last second, two uh, Quill and Stones guys bust into the room and like, what up? What's going on in this morgue? And Betty's like, what the fuck are you doing? But they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know this was important. That's the moment of the week is even in the last minute, these Quill and Bones guys will still be assholes. Ryan, if people want to watch this, where do they go? Uh, CW Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights. Next up, we're talking about Black Lightning. On this week's Black Lightning, it's the first part of a two-part story. And it starts off with the Jefferson family clearing the air and sharing all their past secrets and attempt to heal. Meanwhile, Khalil is trying to clear his head from his alter ego, Painkiller, but it's not going great. It all, it's all good, though, because Gamby is going to help him do this by being his art teacher. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Are you guys ready for edgy art student Painkiller? Wow. I mean, that's the best way to be an art student, right? Get oh, yeah. fucked up on painkillers. Without a doubt. I feel like it helps you a lot. And you, he does have, like, this... Most art students, in my experience, try to act like they've had this traumatic past. But, you know, he's gone through some things. He can really channel and use that, and it might make him inspiring. I don't know. He, he's, like, died and come back a few times, yeah, right? I believe. Yeah, put that into your art. Make your self-titled Sublime album. What percentage of art students do you guys think have are embarrassed by their non-traumatic past and then have made traumatic things happen to them so that they could become good artists? 
98.20. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Yes. <laughs> That's statistical. That is fact. Because it's real. We just know the real fact. That's crazy. Not only did you guys say that at the exact same time, but you also left 2% of normal ass art students who actually went through trauma. <laughs> that is just painkiller. Well, Black Lightning is on the CWs on Monday. Next up is Batwoman. On this week's episode of Batwoman, a new villain seeks her teeth into Gotham. Meanwhile, the holdup opens in grand fashion. Taste Buds, I ask you this. What are worse names for a bar in Gotham other than the holdup? The hole? The hold? The hole. Like, the it's hole. just a hole. But, like, you're calling it the holdup. Gotham is filled with villains, o- <laughs> almost no. only villains, that are going to come and hold up your establishment. True. It Crime is Alley? <laughs> Crime Alley, the bar. Steal the bar. this. Pearls be dropping. <laughs> Cash register open. <laughs> Pearls before swine. That's in the hipstery part of town. Uh, fuck Joker. I, I feel like that one would get oh, hard. Oh, you yeah. will get burned hard. <laughs> Penguins uh, welcome here. Uh, Batwoman's on Sunday nights on the CW. <laughs> Next up, we are talking about The Walking Dead. It's the second half of the season premiere, and Carol is still batshit crazy, but now she's crazy in a cave and armed with dynamite, which she inev- inevitably drops and causes a cave-in. She's not the only one having an explosive time, though, because Negan and Alpha are getting freaky in the forest with socks and masks on. So, Taste Bud, I ask you this. If you were having a nightmare, which would be the more fucked up situation? Sex in the forest with a masked person or getting trapped in a cave? Well, I mean, cave is all of my dreams. I'm sort of used to that. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, the big news of this week out of all of our shows was that Negan and a zombie-masked woman had sex. Yeah. A lot of people were talking about it. Mike, did you hear about this? No. It was literally the only thing. Like, when I was going through everything they were like um the only thing to talk about is them like banging that's it that's literally it and Negan was but like I don't want socks on that was important that's to important. me nobody else really mentioned that that no, was just important to me but I love that is that like people will get full butt ass naked except that like they will understand that the audience does not want to see our feet yes. let's just keep the socks on they were sinning in the forest but we don't need to see the sin of feet that is the walking dead in oh no Sundays. come on Sorry. Do you have more to talk about? Just, we can go I, back. Go I back. want to talk about zombie sex and would I or wouldn't I? I want to talk about dynamite. Like, okay. it, No, pe- if I'm following the... You can't be creepy, Ryan. We're not... I cannot <laughs> let you. The Walking Dead is on Sundays on AMC. Next up, Lock and Key. On the third episode of Lock and Key, Bodie finds a new key that turns him into a flying ghost that can talk to his great-great-grandpa. Connor ends up kicking the shit out of a high school rival that harassed Kinsey. This pops up again when Kinsey and Connor enter Kinsey's head making Kinsey realize that her fear controls her more than anything else. And when your brain becomes a place where you can hang out and everything is tangible, is there anything you can do about your fear? Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did the third episode of Lock and Key get the Mo back? And by Mo, I mean momentum. Oh, we all knew that. You don't gotta. Yeah, I, I think I thought this episode was awesome. I was going to say delight, but nothing, it was very heavy. Nothing was delightful. But I am fully in, in the high school drama in the sibling drama and in all of it in the in the mysticism yeah there were parts that like some of the relationships like the relationships between um the brother and the sister I'm blanking on their name but like I was never really feeling that but kind of all the issues I had there was moments in this where I saw a light where they could fix all of it and I was like yeah I'm, I'm in for this but they won't they won't follow that light and it's yeah. very frustrating and that's sort of what we think about drama and the other thing that we think about drama is that like I think that this episode could stand like if we had a whole competition where we're not counting like finales. This is one of the best episodes of the year. Mm-hmm. Like the way that this all fit together, the way that it was not the second episode, the way that like we're watching all of these people, all of our main characters go through the same thing in a different way. Like 
how should I handle trauma? Yeah. Like, it all came to the forefront, but without anybody mentioning it. I thought yeah. this was fucking perfect. And 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 going being able to go into your characters' heads is a great cheat, but it never felt like a cheat. That Bodie's is like this sweet arcade. That uh, Kinsey's is a horrific mall, and Tyler uh, it won't let anybody in his head because he knows he's a seventeen-year-old boy, and there's nothing his brother and sister should see in there. Yeah, that's what that was like. The bravest moment, like last moment, we said like uh, last episode, Bodie was brave because he was willing to do this, but then also so is Kinsey because like to go in and like one of our minds, like as an adult, it's too fucked up. Do not go. Like, do not open that up. And then to a much lesser extent, like with all the special, without all the special effects, um, the mom thinks that she is fine. Like, I'm an adult and I'm totally stable. And then we won't get into my fear. And then she's finding out that there was a ton of stuff not talked about between her and her husband. Like, Mm -hmm. really bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so now all of this has to, like, cloud her brain as well. Like, everyone is doing this thing. All TV characters and movie characters want to learn more about themselves until they do. And that's what we're watching is like, fuck this, dude. I don't want any of this. is too hard to handle. Do you guys think so? We've gotten hint. The dad told this one story to all three kids and each had a different version uh, about the fisherman uh, and the monster and his friends. Do you think he's just telling the story of how his friends died and each kid, depending on his mood, is getting a different like when he's telling Tyler, the oldest, uh, and it was all the fisherman's fault. And then the second, when he's telling Kenzie, he's like, and he met them again, because now he gets to talk to ghosts. But it's all just, there's no different version. It's all true, but it's all eventually going to be really fucked up and tied together. My first thought was that he delivered the story that the kid needed, right? Like, so Mm -hmm. we changed it so each one would. But watching the episode, I realized that actually, because of the kid's different ages, they all fell asleep and weren't old enough to hear the end. And basically what he was doing is saying, hey, kid, you're my kid. Uh, let's have fun. But also, I need to unleash a bunch of shit on you. And then Tyler was the only one that stayed up late enough to like, like basically realize that he is a uh, psychotherapist in a session. Mm-hmm. Ryan, that is deep. That is, I'm surprised at what just came out of your mouth. That was surprising. Because I thought it was just like what he wanted each kid to like take away, how he was trying to like grow them as a person. Like He's always been harder on... Um, the brother, so I just right. thought it was like what he needed. And you're what the he oldest, wanted. and you're a dude, so I'm gonna fucking hit you with this. Yeah, but no, I think it's uh, you just fell asleep, and also that the dad has grown. Like every kid that is younger, you're a little bit older, you've dealt with it for a little bit longer, so you have the uh, less of a need to unleash on them, to unload on your kids. You're supposed to raise them to be healthy, and you're saying, "Oh no, I'm unhealthy, and I'm gonna barf my unhealthiness onto you." And yep. that's what leaves Bodie is sort of like a borderline stupid kid you know can we talk i got a like i got a confirmation that this kid is a psychopath because all of his memories are in what is that jack in the boxes nobody plays Uh, with those nobody enjoys those but that's where this kid is keeping all of his little memories psychopath what about kinsey's mall though is that a little too on the nose she's like a 15 year old girl and what with both a bodie's carnival thing and kinsey's mall it just shows the writers are in their 40s and this is what they were doing at that ages. They are not thinking at all about what kids these days are into. Yeah. What I don't want to see is what they think Kinsey's mall should be. What I do want to see is having them have Kinsey make decisions. And Kinsey could have said, like, you know what? I'm going to go to sleep. Hopefully everything's fine. But instead, she goes back in, sands Tyler, and drags her fear out by the hair and yeah. fucking murders it. Yeah. And and to do a, there's a lot of leaps there, but like a lot of comic books take a long time. Like you you can die here, but you can't kill that thing here. So we we skip all that, and she realizes she could kill her fear in the real world. Uh, 
all of that is one shows her character is smart and, and done so much more deftly and quickly than a lot of other shows would do. But like, if I had to guess, what I what I think will happen with the rest of the show is that everyone else is now like a slave to their fear, except for Kinsey. But now does very stupid things because you actually sort of need oh, that fear to be in there. You know, it, like you should have punched it, not killed it. You don't want that monster, but it sort of needs to be in there. You leave the fear there, so every time you want to go physically fight your fear, you can. But then you bail out and have it too. And also, I, I know that we all find different things scary, but I will say, uh, since the smiling in the mirror, like the mm-hmm. the other smiling at them. Uh, Kinsey's fear, uh, locking down on Tyler and just like doing that walk towards him. <laughs> My goodness, the one that was a, fucked up. The walk from afar, and she was just like, "We got to go." I was like, "I am not down with this. It's too spooky." And I loved. I don't think there was too much of a lantern on this, but I love that um, Connor. No, Tyler. Tyler. Tyler was walking past him, beating up a guy in Kinsey's mind and saying, "That's not how it went down." And Kinsey's saying, "It did. That. That's how it was to me." You know, like, we're in my mind, and that's how I remember it. And it wasn't... That's how you looked. Yeah, it wasn't like a normal boy-on-boy fight, but, like, this is... You're a... You look like a psychopath in my head. Mm-hmm. And that's what... The, like, they had some really good moments. So there was, like, moments where the mom actually, like... She was actually a mother by the end of it, which was surprising when she was, like, helping Kinsey, like, telling her, like, you know, all of it is, like, from you and inspired because it's coming from you when she's trying to pick her drawing to go to school. And then the brother, we cut to the brother, and he's like actually being a good brother to little Bodie and everything. Right. I was like, there is like, it was cool to see that growth for sure. Is it is it okay for uh, uh, Tyler to run in and see uh, Bodie's dead body and be like worried, or should he just assume like uh, it's probably some key? It's, it's some this key. Is, probably a key. This is just a key. <laughs> if he would have just walked by, like, oh, that's some key stuff. It's fine. That when Bodie was flying, it looked so fun to be a ghost that I thought thought, thought something horrific was going to happen, and then it didn't. It really played with me because I was like, "You don't get to just have this much fun on this kind of show." Well, I mean, like if I did it, I would have to talk to my great great grandfather, and I do not want to meet that person. That guy, like, <laughs> he's probably just like holding a bloody crowbar for no reason, and I don't want to ask talk and, about it. And he wants to tell me why he's holding that so bad, but I just refuse to let him say it. <laughs> Well, uh, do you guys have moments of the week, starting with Ryan? My Okay, so I don't ever want to talk about a Lock and Key episode without getting to Echo, who is clearly the MVP. And Echo um, is still doing her thing. She walks out of uh, uh, like a warehouse or whatever, sees some kids on bikes, say, like, what's up, Stranger Things? You guys are dorks. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you have the key. And some kid steps up to her. Yeah. And not only... Does she open up the key and, uh, or open up the door into a random place and throws him into that random place, which would have been enough. Like that kid's lost forever, but throws him at the exact right time with the exact same strength where he gets run over by a subway immediately. (laughs) Echo is the shit. That was, that was like my first moment of the week because it proved like in the previous episode, she was like, I will murder this kid. And Uh then we saw, she was like, no, I, I've murdered kids. The whole audience is like, no, you won't shut up. She's like, no, I definitely will. She's like, all right, I'll throw this kid in front of a train. I just wanted a moment where she's like standing by the door saying, like uh three two one okay subway's coming and then launch that kid in there it was a little well, behind earlier she was like learning how to use the internet and that's what i think she was doing was looking up train schedules yeah. uh-huh. just so she knew she doesn't know when trains are gonna come she did the research <laughs> in case she needed to throw a kid in front of it mike what was your moment of the week uh it would be echo but i want to talk more about other things uh i like lucas is slowly growing in the background he's the used to be jock i think he has two lieutenant dan legs oh yeah uh, and uh, Tyler's just like, what's with the shorts? And he just says, my legs look cold to you. It was just a quick moment. But I'm like, I think I know a lot about this kid, and I'm into him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, did How would how that moment when they said uh, they were going to the Novemberist treat you? Or they're listening to the vo- Novemberist? Oh, I love the Riverdale version <laughs> <Yeah>. of this. <laughs> 
the five seasons hotel version of that band. Uh, if I could pick a moment of the week, it was first obviously when Echo murdered that child, but also when um, <laughs> little Bodie was flying around because the like the magical sound they put behind his floating was like something I did not expect from the show. I was like, this is whimsical and fun and change. I like this, and that was my moment of the week. And uh, Lock and Key is always on Netflix. You can watch it whenever, but you should watch it week by week with us. And you guys, we have done it. We have gone through the entire pull list. That is everything we have to do. So, Ryan, can you tell us about some websites? Yes. If you're going to go to a couple of websites, go to yourpotfilter.com. Make sure that that's on your regular agenda. Um, that way that you can see podcasts that are being uploaded that you already have subscribed to. And of course. Uh, you can see articles that came out years ago. Yourpotfilter.com. Go to yourpotfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark. And that's how you should buy stuff from now on. And then, of course, go to patreon.com slash yourpotfilter. Pick a tier. And what are we saying? Five dollars, right? That's the good one. Five is the yeah, good. five dollars is the good one. Uh, five dollars a month will get you so much more of us. I feel like that you're you're right now. You're in your car thinking like, no, don't don't end the show. What if we didn't? What if we made the party on Patreon? We're doing that. Five dollars. Yourpotfilter.com slash Patreon. Mike, how can the people get in contact with us? They can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at yourpotfilter or email us contact at yourpotfilter.com. That's it, you guys. Please reach out. Uh, we hope you had a great time. Next week, we are digging into Legends of Tomorrow. It's going to be a great time. That means, Cassie, you have to watch it now. I'm Yeah, I'm going to be... I'm digging in for sure. I'm very excited. I love... Is Do you think Bebo will be in on this? I don't know, man. I, I, I was trying not to like say that like he has to be there in order for you to watch it. I hope he's on there. I'm just going to print out a little Bebo, put it on the corner. It'll, be all, it'll all be good. You guys can print out a Bebo watch with us. That is the episode for mike i'm ryan for ryan i'm cassie and for you i am the world goodbye